we're going to uh, read the account of the crucifixion from John's Gospel in uh, John 19, which is on page um, 905, if you've got a church Bible. Um, John focuses on a lot of the things that we've, we've looked at happening for real at the cross. Um, and it's, um, so we're just going to read the, the whole section, and then I'm going to uh, speak, um, but it's um, it's, it's amazing to see those truths uh, coming to reality as, as Jesus um, is delivered to be crucified. So let me read uh, John 19. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him, and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail King of the, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, Will you not speak to me? Do you not know that I have the authority to release you and the authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, if you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out, sat him down, and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement, and in Amaraic, and in Amaraic, Gabatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour, and he said to the Jews, Behold your king! They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to a place called the place of the skull, which in Amaraic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him. And with him two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read the inscription for, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in uh, Amaraic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of, of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write King of the Jews. But rather, this man said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, 
what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one, pre- one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast, lot for it, cast lots for it to see whose it will be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, the div- they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to be his own. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Since it was a day of preparation and and so the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken so that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once came out blood and water. He who who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also may believe. For these things took place that scripture might be fulfilled not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. I just want you to leave here this morning remembering two things. Um, oh, can I have the clicker? Remembering two things. The first is, Jesus dying on the cross was God's eternal plan. And the second is, Jesus died for you. They're pretty amazing truths. Um, both, of, both of them incredible when, when you think about it. Um, First, we heard uh, Morris speak from Genesis. It's amazing, isn't it? Right at the start of creation, God declares that that someone in Adam's line will one day crush the serpent's head. He will come, crush, and defeat death and the devil. Uh, And in that process, he's going to bruise his own heel. He's going to defeat Satan, but it's going to cost him something. Uh, Joanna read from Deuteronomy, that a man hanged on a tree is cursed by God. And Roman read from Psalm 22 about evil men encircling David, piercing his hands and feet, casting lots to divide his garments amongst themselves. 
And Luke read from Isaiah that this, this Messiah, he'd be oppressed, afflicted, yet silent like a lamb to slaughter. And he was going to bear all our iniquities. It's, it's impossible to read those verses in the Old Testament just without a, a sense of wonder. Moses is writing hundreds of years before David, hundreds of years before Isaiah, who's nearly a thousand years before Jesus was actually nailed to the cross. But despite all of that time, the accuracy of Jesus crushing death and the devil, but in doing so, costing himself so dearly, is just so clear. We see God curses his own son as Jesus is hanging on the tree, nailed to the cross. We see his hands pierced, his feet, his feet pierced, his garments divided by lots, evil men staring and gloating over him as he hangs on the cross. We see a man bearing our iniquities whilst being oppressed, afflicted, Yet he does it like a lamb to slaughter, silently. Jesus, the lamb of the world, he doesn't fight, he doesn't shout, he silently goes to the cross. There is just so many things that we could speak about from this section of John. But I just want to focus on this is God's plan. You can see it in the verses, just, uh, just as it was predicted, God is in control in a, an astonishing way. Right from the beginning, right from eternity past, God's plan was to redeem his people through his own son's blood. I was wondering what, what difference it makes to us. Uh, so why does why does John and, and the whole Bible, uh, for that matter, want to impress on us that, that this was uh, an intricate plan rather than a, a spontaneous event? Well, I was thinking, and I, I think a plan has a point, doesn't it? it it's a series of events that, that ends in something coming together. So wh why, does, why does the Bible want to impress on us that the cross is God's plan throughout all of history? Well, because I and you, we need to understand that, that history is just fundamentally shaped by the cross. That the cross is the point of the plan. It isn't, it is so that we can, we can read the Bible and understand that the, the cross didn't, didn't just happen one day, but it, it's the entire focus of the Bible. And, and, and the focus of, of all history. The plan is, is made so clear because it, it's, not, it's not just another miracle happening, you know, like Lazarus being, being brought back to life. It isn't just a, another incredible historical event like the Red Sea being parted. It's not just another king being anointed uh, like when David defeats Goliath. The cross isn't just another thing. Because the Bible is, is written to make me see that the cross is the thing. To, to make me see that the cross is God's plan. It's, 
It's the end point of the plan. It's the purpose. It, it is the miracle being done that all other miracles were pointing to as Jesus removes our sin from us. It, it is the king being crowned. The king all of the kings points to as Jesus gives up his life for his people. It, it's, it's the prophet dying. Not, not just a prophet carrying God's word to his people, but God's word himself sacrificing his own life for his people. And keep that purpose in your mind. The fact that this is God's eternal plan being, being played out throughout history, through the pages of the Bible. And while you consider that, consider the second point. This plan is, is for you. Jesus dies for you. Jesus doesn't, he doesn't die for himself. He doesn't, he doesn't die for God, for world peace, to prove a point. Jesus fulfills God's eternal plan for this reason. To save you. Let that sink in for a bit. This is, this is all in some way for you. All we've just read Jesus has gone through is for you. God wants to be in a relationship with his people. And it, in this plan, in his plan, to reconcile his people to himself through Jesus on the cross. He did it for anyone who believes and trusts in him. He did it for me. He did it for you. This is God's plan. And it happens for us. At the cross, Jesus is bruised like it says in Genesis. He's, he's cursed, like it says in Deuteronomy. He's pierced, scorned. He's silent like a lamb to slaughter. All to save you. So that you and I might be able to trust in his work and, and have an eternity with him. Jesus is the king who saves. And I guess that massive truth needs to sink somehow into our small lives how can i how can i doubt my salvation if i trust in a god that can do all of that how can i not want a king who does all that it's sobering isn't it and i think there is there is a time definitely to reflect on on our personal godliness uh, and and the misgivings that go on there but this morning I just want to encourage you that this momentous plan is for you and it's for your salvation. Just consider for a second the very first Passover. I'm sure you know the story as the angel moves across Egypt. Only those who have the blood of the lamb on their door um, 
have their firstborn saved. The angel doesn't knock on each door to ask how good the inhabitants are, um, or even how much they understand about what's actually going on, or what they know. The angel doesn't stop to in inquire like how kind the firstborn in that house actually is. There are, there are no questions. Even the Israelites, uh, with the weakest, shakiest faith, who still goes outside and paints his door, is spared. And that is what I want us to think when we see the cross. No matter how bad we are, no matter how wavering we may feel our faith is, or what we think it, it should look like, so long as in, in our hearts we know and trust in the Jesus that we find in the pages of the Bible. You know, even, even if I find that Jesus really hard to listen to sometimes, despite all of that, this plan and the cross is for you and I. Trusting is like, is like painting my door with the lamb's blood. The act of doing it saves me. Even if I have worries or troubles, even if, I, even if I'm a bad person, which, which I am, even if I paint my door badly, so long as I trust, the cross saves. Because the cross is God's eternal plan. And God's eternal plan is to save us to save you and I, to save those people who trust in Jesus. That's what I want us to remember this Good Friday. Jesus dies for us. Let's pray. Lord, we, we feel so small and insignificant. We feel... Or rather, we know we are those things, even despite our hearts telling us different sometimes. Lord, it, it humbles us to think that the creator of everything wants us to be in relationship with him. Lord, you want us to know you. And you are prepared to go to these lengths to make that happen. Lord, you're prepared to pursue us even when we are running away. Your cross and Jesus' work on the cross are just astounding. Astounding display of love for a people who have completely rejected you. Lord, we pray for the faith to paint our doorposts we pray that we can hold fast to the truths that we find at the cross. Help us believe and understand that these things truly are for us. They're not just for other people. You didn't do this for yourself. You went through the cross to be in relationship with me. 
Lord, help us celebrate that and help us glorify that in the week, weeks and months to come, we pray. Amen.